Joanne Ozug, and you are listening to The Road to Carnivore, episode 16. In the last episode, we went through the process of how to not give in to cravings. But what about if you do? That's where this episode comes in, and we are going to talk about how to handle falling off the wagon. I would define falling off the wagon as when you eat something that doesn't follow your diet protocol, and then it turns into a bender where you've given up and start eating all the things. Falling off the wagon usually starts in a situation of giving in to craving, and then once the addictive reward cycle becomes activated, you start to lose control and can't resist more. As a lifelong dieter, I've been through this many times, and if this is you too, there's a good chance that you may also have to deal with this as you transition to carnivore. Because in order to stop falling off the wagon, there are certain things you have to learn and understand about yourself and the way our bodies react to modern foods. One of my biggest doozies falling off the wagon, I was camping with my husband's side of the family. And this was 11 months after I started carnivore, so I was pretty established at that point, and I had already gone on trips and vacations and successfully stuck to carnivore during travel. So it was a no-brainer that I do the same for this camping trip. I prepared, and I bought plenty of meat for myself, and I thought it would be a breeze. Well, the first night, my son asked me if I would roast a s'more with him. He was very excited. We have a book called Pete the Cat Goes Camping that he loves, and of course they talk about roasting s'mores in there. And my son was thrilled that he was camping for the first time with a real campfire surrounded by family, and he was actually going to make a s'more. So I made one with him, and I remember pausing for a moment, sort of knowing that it'd be a bad idea to actually eat it. But I thought, gosh, I have such a childhood nostalgia for s'mores too. This is such a special moment with my son. Let's just eat this one piece. And so I did. That s'more turned into a two-week battle of trying to get back on carnivore again and dealing with horrible side effects. My digestive system was a wreck. My acid reflux was raging. I became really constipated, started having really horrible gas. It was ugly. But I just could not stop eating junk. I was surrounded by candy and cookies and chips and snacks. And once I had that s'more, my cravings intensified beyond my control. I started doing a lot of sneaking and hiding so I could eat these things without people seeing me. There was even one time when I encouraged everyone to go to the lake ahead of me because my daughter was still eating, which was true, but my mind zeroed in on using it as an opportunity to eat snacks and privacy. And I started noticing the addictive behavior. I felt like I could not stop and I realized I was addicted to sugar again. I remember thinking that what was so particularly scary about this bender was that I was having all this physical pain from the processed food. How are these health consequences not enough to get me back on track? These are the foods that I know cause incredible harm to my body, foods that have caused major suffering in my life and are giving me pain right now. How can I be eating these things when I've experienced the healing and great health that carnivore has given me? At the time, I did not really understand dopamine like I do now. My palate got really messed up, and the dopamine stimulation from those hyperpalatable processed snacks took my baseline out of range. So of course the meat totally sucked in comparison to the processed snacks I was now eating. I wasn't really aware of these realities then, and it was this bender that prompted me to start reading about dopamine and the limbic reward system and learning about how incredibly addictive processed foods are. I learned and really integrated the reality that you can actively not be enjoying something that much, like M&Ms, for example, are really not good. 
but it can still be activating the addictive reward cycle in your brain so that you cannot stop. Think about if you've ever eaten so much sugar and felt so full that you were sick to your stomach, but you still kept eating cake or candy. This is a real phenomenon where you are so beyond satiety to the point of discomfort, but you can't stop eating. There have been times when I've stuffed myself so much that I was on the verge of throwing up. That never happens with meat because meat is not addictive. Meat is a food that's very tied in with our body's satiety signals. I also did not understand the extent of how incredibly addictive processed foods are designed to be. Remember from episode six, I talk about how many billions of dollars companies spend on this. It is the job of a food scientist to create products that hijack your brain so that you eat more. I really wish this was an exaggeration, but if you do the reading, you will understand that it's not. And if we're honest about it, we already know this. We delude ourselves into thinking we can control ourselves, and maybe on a good day we can, but most of the time, many of us cannot. Doing the research helped me learn that because these foods are doing extremely powerful things to my brain, it's really playing with fire because processed snacks and sugar inherently are extremely difficult to control. Another big epiphany that came up after my reflection is at the time, I didn't know to watch for and deal with the emotional difficulties that naturally arose from the circumstances of that camping trip. We were camping in tents for four days. The first day, the weather was great, but for the remaining three days we were there, it poured cats and dogs the entire time, aside from part of one afternoon. I have two young children, so it's not like I could just go into my tent, curl up, and read a book. They were antsy, I was antsy, I was sick of the rain, and I felt trapped and stuck not being able to do any of the activities we had expected to. Once I had a taste of that s'more the first night, even though I planned and wanted to get back to carnivore, eating lots of sugar and crunchy snacks became incredibly compelling, and I knew it would make me feel better temporarily. So I took that escape instead of handling the emotions. Since that time, I've become more practiced at acknowledging the difficult emotions and holding myself through it and finding a way to meet my needs without numbing myself with food. The rain was out of my control, but I saw in retrospect how many opportunities for action I could have taken that didn't involve eating candy and snacks. So now that we've gone through that example, let's talk more broadly about what to do if you fall off the wagon. The most urgent thing you need to do is stop as soon as possible. That is the pressing matter, to draw the line in the sand, and then you can do the analyzing, the reflecting, and dealing with the emotional aftermath. The biggest thing to internalize about falling off the wagon is that it's typically harder to stop the longer it continues, the more your dopamine begins to adjust to new levels of stimulation. It's just like drugs, where you start needing higher and higher doses to receive the same amount of pleasure. There's no good ending to this story. It's always better to stop now. The only way to get back to a more normal dopamine baseline is to go through withdrawal. This is just how it is. The problem with eating these hyperpalatable foods is they are unnaturally stimulating man-made creations, and the meat will always pale in comparison until it becomes your norm again. And this process of withdrawal is hard because once you've fallen off the wagon, you will deal with intense cravings for more carbs because that's simply how our bodies respond to these super stimulating foods. As a side note, this reality is what ultimately made me decide to stop acting on the I'll just have one bite excuse. For a while, I thought, I don't want to feel deprived, so it's better if I just have a bite. 
But I realized over time that even though it can feel really hard to pass entirely on the cake, it is way easier than the amount of craving I face once one bite hits my mouth and brain. This is a judgment call that will vary from person to person, but I have found that it's much easier to just not have any because it's never easy to go from falling off the wagon to getting back on track. It is always hard because our response to hyperpalatable foods will always be the same. We will always go nuts for them. And actually, after doing carnivore for a while, it's arguably harder because you're not used to that stimulation anymore. So remind yourself that the longer you continue on the bender, the harder it will become to get back on track. You must summon the perseverance to overcome the fact that it is hard, but it's only going to get harder as your dopamine baseline changes. Acknowledge that yes, it's hard now, but it will be worse later. Being kind to your future self means stopping now. Another thing to catch yourself on is any tendencies to throw in the towel because you've already fallen off. I was the queen of this excuse. Oh, I've ruined the day now. I may as well have more cookies and I'll just pick up again tomorrow. Just because you ate one cookie doesn't mean the rest of the day is shot. Two cookies is worse than one. There is a difference. It's not all or nothing. Two cookies has a higher load of difficulty for your body and brain than one. That is just a fact. Don't pretend that this isn't true. The cookie you already ate is a sunk cost. Do not give yourself the green light for letting the one cookie turn into the whole tray just because you've already deviated. That's not the package deal outlook and owning consequences. Remind yourself that at any point, you can recognize that you're experiencing a very understandable, natural addictive response and desire to eat more of this hyperpalatable man-made creation. But you can make a fresh choice about whether or not you're going to continue. What do you want to do now from this point in time? Engage your prefrontal cortex, connect to your values, and do the things now that your future self will thank you for. Make a commitment to stop, and if you don't, be honest and clear about the fact that unless you do something to change now, it's probably going to continue. Be firm and clear, draw a line in the sand, and decide to stop now, even if you've ruined your perfect eating streak. After you draw the line, ready yourself for the emotional tidal wave that often comes. It's going to feel hard, but remind yourself that it's hard now or harder later. The only option once you've fallen off the wagon is different variations of hard. So you must rise to face it if you're going to get back on track. In the past, I'd often get a little bit rebellious here, and I found it helpful to remind myself of my freedom, that I don't have to get back on track. I can choose a life where I eat all the foods I want to, but that I will have major health problems as a result. That option is available to me. From a place of honest evaluation of the package deal, I know that I don't really want to do that. I want to get back on track. And the good news about this path is that even though it's hard now, this path gets easier. The next thing you need to do as you get back on track is be kind to yourself and more importantly, refrain from beating yourself up for falling off the wagon. This is really hard for a lot of people, myself included, and I noticed this in nearly every person I've coached one-on-one. Many of us have some pretty brutal inner critics. Letting the inner critic run the show does not get you to a place of long-term success. As cliche as it may sound, the way to succeed long-term when you're doing something radical like carnivore is really doing it from a place of loving yourself and loving your body. I've done diets in the past where I thought I would succeed solely from how much I hated my body and hated being fat. This never works long-term. What does work and is sustainable 
is making choices out of love and caring for yourself. And that starts with not being cruel or mean to yourself just because you fell off. Have compassion for the legitimate reasons why it's incredibly difficult to stop eating hyperpalatable foods like cake and cookies. What's happening in the brain when you eat those foods is incredibly powerful. Sticking to carnivore in today's food environment is hard sometimes. We are constantly prompted to eat incredibly stimulating foods. That doesn't mean you just let it go or give yourself a pass. We should learn from it and improve. But there needs to be compassion while we take responsibility for our choices and learn from them. The last thing to do if you fall off the wagon is find some time to be alone, maybe somewhere really comfy in your house or somewhere outside to drop into your body and your mind and reflect. In order to grow and permanently move beyond your food stumbling blocks, you need to take the time to become aware of the scripts happening in your brain. Start by identifying what justification you use to give yourself the green light for falling off initially and then what you told yourself as you continued binging. There is always a reason, usually many, and it's incredibly illuminating once you start paying attention to your justifications. Then ask yourself if these are valid reasons going forward. Do you want to live your life according to these values? The next thing to identify when falling off the wagon is it's almost always driven by some kind of emotion. What was it? Were you feeling lonely, stressed, bored, or sad? Is something in your life bothering you? It's no coincidence that people tend to fall off the wagon more when things in life are stressful or hard. I've actually noticed that the amount of craving I get has become a barometer for how my life is going and how much self-care I'm doing. And if there's one thing that carnivore and coaching people to no longer numb with food has taught me, it's that we all need way more self-care than we realize and more than what we're making room for in our lives. My body and my mind need more attention than what I was giving them when I was numbing with food. I now pay more attention to when I need to go on a walk, if I need to be in the sun, if I need to meditate. And sometimes it feels extremely inconvenient. The time when you most need to take a walk in the sun or meditate is usually when you feel the most busy or overwhelmed. But it's better to deal with the thing that's challenging you instead of sacrificing your body and your health. So if you start getting a lot of cravings, if you start falling off the wagon more, take a look at your life because there's likely something there that needs to shift or change. So much of this process is about becoming aware and internalizing the reality that falling off the wagon and then getting back on track is hard. But continuing habitual self-destructive binge behavior is usually harder with no end in sight. Part of what has helped me get back on track is knowing that once you get past that withdrawal and your dopamine baseline returns to normal, you will get pleasure and satisfaction again from eating real foods like meat and incredible health right along with it. It doesn't matter how many times you've fallen off the wagon in the past. Just get back on. Follow the practices in this episode and the last one on handling cravings, and you will fall off the wagon less and less. That is how you make progress. That is the work. And if you put in the time, you may find that it will benefit your life in surprising ways, even beyond the health benefits. Thanks for listening to The Road to Carnivore. If you found this podcast to be thought-provoking or helpful, please leave a review. I'll be picking someone from the reviews to receive a free 45-minute coaching or Q&A call once a month as an extra thank you for supporting the podcast. See you next time.